fact that the Texans were late in getting on Eric Bieniemy. They were late on getting on Eric Bieniemy, and they've got a quarterback that is thinking it doesn't matter who the hell you hire. I would disagree with that. I just think if they do eventually hire Eric Bieniemy or Leslie Frazier, who's now done with the Bills season, and that's the guy who calls up Deshaun Watson and says, let's meet. I, I think this five-alarm fire might be able to be put out back there. But Josh McCown, to, to go on, even, even, even to interview the guy who's never coached at any level, hasn't paid a single due at the coaching level, when you have viable candidates out there, black and white, no African-American head coaches have been hired. None. And there are multiple that have paid their dues and are ready to be hired to do a great job. And you go out and interview a white guy who's never coached anyone, but Josh McCown, you're giving him the airing of a sit-down interview? What the hell are they thinking? And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. Talking your Houston Texans, straight from the Great British Isles, your head coachless Houston Texans, as Leslie Fraser is in town today for a second interview, followed by David Cully tomorrow. But yet more controversy and questions continue to surround the Texans and their process of filling these vital roles in this strange off-season as we lead into the 2021 season. The Super Bowl of the 20 season has not even been played yet. But yeah, the Texans just seem to find ways to bamboozle, confuse and just be mocked by many right across the league. Not the news that we're hoping for or still waiting for for the head coach. So didn't want to get a guest on again, but just wanted to put some thoughts out there and hopefully this might help you make some sense of it all as this strange process continues to unravel and we know why this process is strange and we've got a, a rudderless owner at the front of it. But I think the, the sort of questions really, I mean, I think last week was a quiet one and we managed to get all the way through to Friday without any news that was going to draw negative connotations and grow the perception of the Texans not being able to conduct a search in a professional manner that would be befitting of a you know the top 32 franchises in pro football an elite sport big business that requires people to do a similar job as you ask the players to do off the field and we just seem to be really short of that and i think you know it's it's we talked about the last time it's been exposed and it kind of feels a bit like that again and a quiet week last week until the news comes out and a strange wording and a strange announcement and a lack of perhaps thought through and again perhaps a lack of how perceptions built and understanding of fundamentals of PR but the Texans put out there that they'd spoken to David Caldwell who's now at a second interview with the Texans one as part of the Corn Ferry process now with Nick Casero being in the building and then secondly with Josh McEwen, the third string quarterback from last season. And quite a lot to sort of depict from that and sort of kind of understand all the various facets of that. And I think if we take Caldwell, for example, did he have any interest from any other team at any point in this process? Did it look like he was one of the guys that were touted to take a role and be likely taking up one of these front offices or even a coordinator's role. 
And look, he may well have turned down a coordinator position in one of these hires. It would seem unlikely, considering the age and the youth that's been the general movement across the league. But Caldwell's name continues to reverberate around circles of a potential hire of the Houston Texans, which I think you can sum it up as, you know, in terms of negotiation, if you're going to get some guy in here. He's not really got any leverage in this discussion because he's not got any other options and he's not been coaching in the league. So it seems odd that Caldwell would be there. And then it seems odd that Josh McCowan would be interviewed. A guy who doesn't have a single day of coaching experience beyond high school, which he was doing whilst on the Philadelphia practice squad last year. And then was only essentially an emergency option, but then signed for the Texans. We talked about it on the podcast when Brandon Scott was on back during the season and it was very odd that he was put in front of the media. It was really strange that he talked and he talked very fondly about Jack Easterby who was the the interim GM through the season and about the vision for the Texans and how Easterby was talking a part of that. And, and then he didn't travel to the game the following week. He was ill, apparently, which just seemed very odd. And I think it was obvious that there was a grander, longer-term plan. And I think, look, Josh McKibben's been in this team, or this league, rather, for a long time, been around a lot of teams, and has been nothing but universally liked, praised by many, a head coach in waiting type of guy, knows the team well. And look, Deshaun's form in the latter half of the year was, you know, I think you could accredit some of that to Josh McCowan being on the sidelines talking him through it. He's been around a lot of systems. He has a great knowledge of the league and how it's developed. And look, under normal circumstances, if this was even an OC job, at very most, I think, you know, feasibly, can you say, can you bring him in as a, as a quarterback's coach? That he would be a great option, huge amount of experience, predominantly being on the sidelines. And effectively, as a coach, he's not really played many snaps, but has been a number of teams in the headset, learning the playbook, coaching the starter... And there probably aren't many guys who've got the quality of NFL, years of NFL experience that he does despite not having the official coaching title. So from a pure tax, brass tax kind of point of view, I can quite you know, easily understand and see the logic there. But I thought it was interesting. It just looked like it had Easterby's fingerprints on it again. And look, I think people just assume the worst because there is no equity, there is no goodwill that this franchise will come to a decision that will be for its betterment at this point in this offseason and for the you know for the entirety of the future of Cal McNair's reign as owner uh, and as long as Jack Easterby's in the building there are always questions will you know surround every decision they make and people will expect the worst so you have this outpouring of confusion and and ridicule and it comes back to you know the the lack of black coaches in the league and minority hiring practices and people being overlooked unfairly and you know justly so because the guy on paper hasn't had the 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 experience so you bring that with you so then you think well why did they announce it there was no need to announce that he is a co he is a player under contract into next season don't forget they gave him a two-year deal as a practice squad guy you know in his mid to late 30s so they didn't have to announce that so again, just tone deafness from the organisation. Who's pushing the PR department to put these announcements out with the absence of its former VP? I think we can probably guess who. But certainly a strange move that brought more criticism 
And I think a move that didn't need to be made, you could have done that in, in, in the solitude of the building, away from the public eye. And just like Cal and everything he does, I think he needs to be shielded by it. And look, since Casario has come in, he has been a quiet operator, which I don't think many people have too many close ties to him. Now, Ben Volan, a well-respected writer in the Boston area, after the Boston Globe put out, Eberflus was a front-runner on Friday, just before this news of McCowan and Caldwell broke. And it kind of threw that to the, to the back of the line in terms of people's attention. What 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 it did bring out was you know a potential link and somebody who may well have connections or connections to Casario who's been very quiet and Iberflus would seem like an option or a respected option in in this cycle and many people thought he would be a potential hiring candidate was interviewed by other teams so it gives you a bit of confidence and credibility that. You know, other teams that are, you know, more functional than Houston would see him as a candidate. Now, it's gone very quiet on the Eberflus front. And it seems like, you know, if you were going to bring him in for a second interview, why would we have not heard that by now? And it's, again, it just seems kind of odd that that, that one's gone very quiet and not even to get for a second interview despite Casario been managing to convince him to come back in and be part of the process and that can probably only lead you to one conclusion that actually there's probably quite a high likelihood that Iberflus has thought well I don't think I want to be a part of this with all the all the all the sideshow and, and you know and you don't get many chances to be a head coach and just ask Jim Caldwell just ask you know potentially Leslie Fraser who will come on to but Iberflus may well have just thought I'll just take a step back from that thanks for your interest but I don't think this is the right move for me at the stage of, the, of my career and you wouldn't blame him for that. And I think with, with Casario, I think the question of his list of candidates, bar Brandon Staley, there doesn't seem to be any, and of, of course Eric Bienemy, which we'll come on to, but bar Brandon Staley and Bienemy having first interviews with the team, there hasn't been anybody beyond that 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 have been brought into the fray that would incite and build confidence and give, you know, Casario a more favourable perception with the fan base when he deeply, desperately needs that. So the fact that it's not been wider searching getting to that first interview, now the fact that we're at second interviews would suggest very much that there won't be any other new names coming into this process and I think that's that's quite a tough thing to take considering all the guys that they didn't interview uh, in the first round of the cycle were slow to interview and lost out on due to the GM hire. We'll see if any names do come out but it, it would appear with all level of certainty or, or some level of certainty at this stage that we're stuck with the candidates we have. Just on Sunday again, just a, a side note, in terms of ESPN's vendetta, I think you could probably describe it now against Houston, bang on, on cue, as the national audience gathers to watch Championship Sunday, they bring out recycled reports with no new news, no developments, no direct quotes, no changes in the story, no updates on the timeline, but yet they were banging home the drum once again 
about Deshaun's said unhappiness in Houston. And until I think Deshaun comes out now, I think it seems that it will just be a go-to filling dead air time because there's so much uncertainty around it. The team and no head coach still in place and the, the knock-on effect of all this mess that's all sort of self-created is 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 a is one that will not go away until somebody come direct directly comes out and sees it. And I think you talk, you heard about the 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 Aaron Rodgers sort of questionable comments at the end, and I saw that brought out our friend Dan Orlovsky, uh, who's definitely trying to make a name for himself in terms of controversial takes this off season. Must feel he's a judge to get a bigger role within the game with the media and his voice. So he's certainly trying to make his voice heard. No greater take than things are so bad I can't say it on television, which just doesn't mean anything. As it, none of these reports have meant anything concrete. So until Deshaun comes out and says, I want to be here or I don't want to be here and just lets this rumble on, he's damaging the team. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a time where some of the blame and some of the, the mess is created by Houston, but he has to lead in the sense of, put a stake in the ground and just be upfront and honest with people. You saw that with Matt Stafford went to the, the front office, a brand new front office, who knew there was a potential change coming in. It wasn't Darren Bevel who got the head coaching job. So therefore he said, look, I want to move on. And they said, fine, we'll trade you. And you know, everybody from that moment on is on the same page. It's a change they're going through, but people, people are aware of what the change is going to be. And it's been agreed and it's not been dragged out for weeks on end in the media. And I think that was a more, professional, more mature approach taken by Stafford in his camp. And then I think if you look at other examples around the league and, and the Aaron Rodgers comments, and then you know the CEO of Green Bay comes out, we're not trading Rodgers, we're not idiots. And potentially that's some nod to, to, to his counterparts in Houston. But that's what the Texans need to do. That's what Nick Cassero needs to do. Whenever this general manager, or any, as general manager, when he hires this next head coach, a big part of that press conference is lay a stake in the ground and say, look, we are not open for business in terms of our trading our star quarterback. End of story. He's under contract for another three seasons, for four seasons rather. It's not within our interest to trade the hardest spot to fill in all of professional sports. End of story. Thank you very much. Can we please talk about the exciting day of the hire of whoever it might be? And that hire... I think will be Leslie Fraser at this stage. I think it seems odds on. It seems fitting with everything that the, the Texans have gone through off this season. And I'm not saying that's that's the guy who I want. I think he'll bring a mature outlook. He'll be the sixth oldest coach in the league. Most of those guys have been with teams a long time or are, are build or have built dynasties or are building well respected, ongoing, challenging playoff caliber teams so to come in and as a defensive mind and potentially have a disastrous season because there's only so much talent he can add I think well could potentially be an anti-climax for anything that's achieving whatever is achievable I think is a small steps forward in 21 at best but there's something poetic about the the selling of this already, which has gone gone into play by the media. And I think a lot of the time is people can fully expose straight away when they find out information, but yet glean information and, and, and lend that towards what they're trying to say. And 
the fact that it's been teed up so continuously by he's the right guy for the type of situation they are, which, when you think about it, is a strange way to justify it to yourself. But you to think of it in a way, if you've created this terrible mess that you're currently in, and the best way to do that is hire a coach who's probably not on any team's top 10 list of head coaches. Because again, just with Jim Caldwell, is Leslie Fraser inundated with offers? No, I mean, at least he's at least he's a credible, goes back to a defensive coordinator role and you know, has a chance to make a run at the playoffs again with that, that roster they've built in Buffalo. But he certainly isn't something that's going to ignite the fan base. And I think he's he's an older guy. It seems like it's, Ed, it's odds on. When I heard John McLean talk about it was put out there that he reminded them of Gary Kubiak. And there's nothing more McNair-esque than to go to the old, familiar, soft, easy option. Something they know. Just like the new Casario. Omar Khan was a bit too out there. Lewis Riddick was a bit too out there. Trench Kirchner was a bit too out there. Scott Cohen was just a bit too out there. A bit too different from what they've known. And I think in the in itself that that change that its core players and why you've got your number four pissed off at you at this stage is because you thought you were going to do something. You made all the all the signs about it, and again, not for the first time, but we saw it on Friday, we saw it again. People are more than justly criticising the process and how this team is going about their business this off season, and it would seem when all the cards have fallen the easiest move you could make and the right move you could make in a sense of getting people in a room and trying to quell the fears of the Watson camp that this franchise is going nowhere. And look, you cannot criticise them for thinking that because I think we've all thought it and it, we just sort of crashed to the ground this season. I think bad moves and, and the culmination of bad moves have to to, to show themselves on the field for people to really take notice. I think it was the the process of the general manager hire was, was just the straw that broke the camel's back. And, it, and I think probably the Sean Carroll have had to deal with a lot. And that's what it is. So I think that the best chance of not only buying some equity and buying some goodwill back with your fan base, but also with your star quarterback and getting him in the building. Now, he is back in Houston this week, so... It may well have been a quiet week this week because they wanted them in part of the process. I don't know what the communication has been. Aaron Wilson put out there in a very small segment, didn't get much run, that Cal has said that he has apologised to Watson. How much that's been recognised, how much that's been taken as an olive branch remains to be seen. And and with him back in town doing some charity work, giving out scholarship for school kids and he's showing he still wants to contribute this to the community. I mean, look... It just seems odd. It's everything does seem odd that the guy that we know and love as our quarterback could be this disenfranchised with this ball club at this stage. How that has been possible is almost the same as the the almost unrivaled levels of ineptitude that managed to get a guy who's that talented on your squad finish with a four-win season. So I see where he's coming from, but I think the... Eric Bieniemy higher would be the most obvious and it would be the most fitting, but but when you think about it versus all the other candidates, he's big, personality, outspoken, questionable track record. 
in terms of something which I'm sure there'll be certain individuals in that building leveraging that points they can maybe get some a more of a, a milder manner type of person in the building. And I think this building needs a shift in the right direction. It's certainly not had that with any of the moves and it we've not seen it yet and we may well see it over time, but I've not felt the jolt that it would need towards success that Caserio's done now operating under extreme pressure in difficult circumstances, but it's not felt like he's given it the kick that, that, that some people thought he might have done through this hiring process. But I think the Eric Enemy one is a guy who would take control of things, not put up with interference from certain people with undefined roles, trying to justify their influence in the building. Whatever that influence and how that influence from Easter B interacts with the role of Casario and how much those roles are defined. We just don't know at this stage. And it may well be the case that Casario has been trying so hard to convince people to come and interview and people just haven't been interested. And I think that's a realistic possibility, just like it'll be when Casario picks up the phone to certain people's agents in free agency come 16th of March. They might just not be interested in this as a destination. And, in and we certainly don't have the cap money to, to use money as a, as a leverage. It's going to have to be sold on the, the opportunities to be successful and to, and to play for guys. You, you will always find bargains and find guys of value in free agency, but certainly it's, it's a difficult task for Casario to come and do that at this stage when with all the circus going around him. So how much of his output's been negated by the circus? Time will tell in this but certainly the Eric B enemy one just feels like a two inch putt that needs to be there and it almost looks like they're going to try and take walk it back six feet and go with Leslie Fraser because it suits them and it suits the culture and actually the jolt that we need might not have come from Casario or it might not be visible certainly from Casario at this early stage but it certainly would be visible with Eric B enemy you would you would win in the court of public opinion the first black coach in this hiring cycle the very much the fans favorite a guy who at least is a leader and again it comes back to the saying one thing doing another we played a clip on the show a number of weeks ago and cal talked about a big leader of men personality people would want want to run through walls for is jim caldwell that no is leslie fraser that arguably not is josh mckeown that Arguably not. Is David Cully that? Arguably not. Now look, this might be those three guys all coming in will all be part of this coaching staff. I've seen that put out there a number of times this week and this may be you know, a really strong, respectable, strength in numbers kind of team that can pull this together. And look, there's nothing to say that Leslie Fraser a second time around learning the lessons he learned, albeit some time ago now, it's in 2012-2013 in Minnesota, what he's learned in Buffalo and saw a successful programme be built under Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. That he can be successful. It certainly feels like it's on the cusp of being Leslie Fraser. And I certainly don't want to see, you know, again, it would be similar to Casario, the negative outlash and outbreak of an uproar from people because it's not really what people wanted and it's not what they expected. I think we're about to be served yet another slice of Cal's obscured view of the football world compared to all the rest of us looking on. And 
we may well be talking again this week about a coach, but just wanted to get some thoughts out there. Hopefully we'll have hiring news in this limbo period that we continue just to circle around the topic. Hopefully we'll get there and it feels like we can move on. But just putting some quick thoughts out there again on this Tuesday. So we've got a another download coming out for you every Tuesday as we set out to do at the start of the season. But thank you very much for listening again to the Turn Up For What podcast. Talking your head coachless Houston Texans straight from the Great British House. Hopefully not for not that much longer, but please download, subscribe and send a review. Share it with any Texas fans you know. Appreciate all the people listening and all the new listeners in the last couple of weeks going through this troublesome time trying to make sense of why do you do it but this is why this podcast was called turn up for what there's been questionable moments most of them on the field rather than off but certainly the off is now causing us the questions and hopefully this will help you get through and make some sense of it as you go through your days leading up to this head coaching hire but check us out on podcasttexans.com at podcasttexans on twitter and on facebook